Hello, please let me see your ticket stubs for the Double Edge Double Bill, where you get two film and or media discussions for the price of one, which is nothing. Thomas and Thomas Mariani will come to the table to randomly select the yin and yang of a double feature. One will have two good movies, the other two bad ones. Both will have to pick a number between 1 and 10 in order to seal their fates for each episode. Let the chaos begin. I am Adam Thomas. And I am Thomas Mariani. And uh, welcome back, everybody, including a uh, welcome back from our previous episode, Sam Bertuxen here for the intro. Sam, how's it going? I'm here, and I'm hot and fresh off the streets of Land Before Time to prevent you with the new choice. Yes. Uh, so for those of you who don't know who might be new to the show, um, each week, Adam and I uh, have two movies based on a topic that uh, either are good or bad, depending on who the person is. I have two bad choices. Adam has two good. And our topic for this week is, uh, we realize that as we're releasing this episode right now, we are halfway through the year of 2018. Hasn't it felt like it's been two years in this half of a year? Yes. Oh, yes. God, yes. yes it's like it 10 years of Mordecai. <laughs> <laughs> it's like watching Mordecai for six months straight. I wouldn't wish it on any of my enemies. In Maybe fact, it's like watching Mordecai twice. <laughs> That's true. By two times. Like, I'm cracked! I can't do whatever you want! This is your brain on Mordecai. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so in honor of that, uh, we have six months of movies that were just released in this year that uh, we might have either seen or not seen. Um, I know I've seen a fair amount of movies already from this year. Adam, I know you haven't. You... I ain't seen shit, really. <laughs> I've seen... <laughs> so anything I pick, I ain't seen. Yes, uh, but you have the two good choices of things you might not have seen. Um, I can tell you right now, the two movies I have for bad are ones I haven't seen, because I'm not rewatching Day of the Dead and whatever oh, the fuck, fuck it that. was. Yeah, that's... No, no, no. I, okay, I have seen that. <laughs> that's yeah, such that's garbage. That's so terrible. <laughs> Worst of the year so far. Uh, yeah, I agree. But Sam, so uh, you get to pick a number between 1 and 10 first for Adam for good choices, so let her rip, Sam. Hmm, so I could go with my similar uh, choice of doing 8 and 4 again, but I'll, I'll be a di- bit different, so I'll do 9 and 5. Okay, so 9 for good, Adam. Okay. All right, well, I haven't seen either of these movies, uh, but at number 9, on the dot, actually, I had uh, the Netflix movie Veronica, which got all that praise and buzz, so I figured might as well check it out. A Spanish language horror film. That's very interesting. Mm-hmm. I and have seen at, that. Oh, you have? Okay. Well, go fuck yourself. Um, at, no- <laughs> at number one, I had The Ritual, which I also haven't seen. That one's also pretty good. Wow. <laughs> yes. I, uh, they're both very good movies, but Veronica will be interesting to talk about. And now, so five, Sam, um, with the two movies I've seen, at number six... Um, is a movie I was kind of curious about because it went in and out of theaters very quickly, is Hurricane Heist. The Rob oh. Cohen-directed oh. film. That's literally <laughs> what it says on the tin. They attempt a heist during a hurricane. I, it was in theaters for a weekend and then left. I'm very honestly morbidly curious about Hurricane Where the fuck even watch that at? It, it was recently released on... Uh, DVD and Blu-ray. Um, it, it just put put out there. And I was just like, oh, you know what? Maybe. Oh, not- great. <laughs> um, and then, uh, <laughs> it's, you know, I'd argue it's better than at least uh, what would have been a number eight, which is uh, 1517 to Paris. Oh, my God. <laughs> which oh, I've man. heard what is really fuck? terrible. <laughs> Shouldn't have higher. You're just <laughs> going for the fucking gut every time. <laughs> You okay, the worst possible shit. Uh huh. The- go ahead, Mister Theodore X. Keep going. Yeah, right. Tell me about. I apologize. That. I apologize. Wired. <laughs> Look, not, neither of us are un- not guilty in this case. That's true. We're both very yeah, guilty right, of hurting each other very much. It's a love hate relationship. Really gonna fuck your shit up next week. <laughs> <laughs> and and this is what uh, Sam has done to us. You've ruined our relationship, Sam. But thank you for coming yeah. on again. <laughs> 
Oh, no problem. And remember, it doesn't go off until I hear the bell ring. Yes. Dig, dig. <laughs> and on that note, uh, it's time to uh, take our break and watch our double feature. And we'll be right back after this. <laughs> And we are back uh, for our double feature. We've just viewed both films. And uh, before we get into this, this is interesting. Uh, we don't usually talk too much about spoilers on the show, uh, mainly right. because we usually cover older movies. Uh, movies that at most recent was what, like Mordecai was the most recent? Uh, we should have said something because all of you didn't want Mordecai spoilered because it's, it's an underrated gem. Obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, uh, but for this, given we're covering movies that have been released within the last six months or so, um, it's fair warning, spoilers for both Veronica and Hurricane Heist. Yeah, but not, I don't think anything we say is not predictable huh, that we're going to say for either movie. Yeah, I don't think so. It's interesting because um, we talked in the intro that I've seen more films this year than you have, and I've seen Veronica prior um, mm-hmm. to this viewing. A bit of background, Veronica is a Spanish-language horror film from director Paco Plaza, who you might recognize as one of two people who have worked on the Wreck series of films, the found footage, demon possession horror movies um, that I'm a big fan of. Um, and he even directed the third one by himself, which was not the worst one. It's better Rick than Ford. the fourth one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, but, Adam, go ahead and go into your uh, first thoughts about Veronica. All right, so I went in this not knowing much about it. Um, I actually avoided listening to any other podcasts or things like that that talked about it because I did want to see it. It was just hard to get around to at a time where I could watch it by myself without my kid around or something like that, even though she's not old enough to really know, but still, it's it's enough. So I kind of knew the basic gist of it. Like I heard it was like a haunting, maybe a possession movie. And there was all that stuff going around where it's like the scariest movie on Netflix. People are shutting it off. They're shitting themselves halfway through. And, uh, yeah, I don't get it. I don't get how. That, I mean, obviously, I've, I've a lot of movies have done that hype train before. You know, oh, passing out in the theater. Well, it turns out the person was anemic or whatever. You know, of course, passed out. But there was parts to it that were pretty good, like creepy. It was well filmed, well shot, decently acted, especially by the... Uh, the two younger sisters I thought were really good. Um, but I just found it to be very predictable. I knew what the ending was a good 45 minutes before the ending came. I kind of figured it out. So that kind of soured the experience for me a little bit. But you think a lot of that is just the hype going into or even just viewing the movie on its own, you had those same issues with it? Viewing the movie on its own. Because um, I, I tend to not, I try not to let hype affect anything, especially when it comes to horror movies. I mean, how many times, you're a horror movie fan, how many times have you heard scariest movie ever? And then it's just not. They um, say it for almost every horror movie that comes out. Yeah, because they leak John to like the one review that was just like, oh my god, exactly. I pooped my pants. And it's like, you might poop Scariest too. thing since The Exorcist. You know, how many times mm-hmm. you heard that? Like, I found the ending kind of predictable. Well, I mean, I can kind of see that. I think especially on a second watch, the predictability still kind of... It, it definitely lays in there, um, which was probably my only kind of issue with it. But at the same time, what I did like about Veronica, which brief background as well about the story, is uh, Veronica is our main character. She's a 15-year-old girl who's trying to balance being a teenager and also trying to you know deal with her brothers and sisters, who she's basically raising because her yeah. mother is trying to support the family after the father died and is spending all of her time being a waitress and in the day she's sleeping. So Veronica has to act as essentially the second parent. And a lot of that stress compounds on her. She still tries to hang out with her friends, including when they go up during a solar eclipse and play with a Ouija board. And this results in some sort of possession uh, for Veronica. And from there, creepy shit happens. And admittingly, with that premise, it does... Obviously, sound like you kind of can connect the dots from there, especially it is based on a what's another based on a true story uh-huh. kind of thing. Um, which I mean, I don't know. Those photos at the end, Adam. 
they, that they lead some interesting potential theories of what could be happening. I don't yeah, know. but I, I don't think those photos at the end were real. I think those are photos of the set. No, those were photos that apparently were, like, from the crime scene. Then they were very, very meticulous about at recreating everything on set. To the point to where one of the candles, it was like a plant with the birthday candles in it and everything, and they were identical. Because I went back and rewound, I'm like, really? And then they even showed the picture of the actress, you know, sitting on the floor when they were going through, of the girl who played Veronica. Well, right, I'm sure that obviously wasn't from the actual fucking film. Look, this look man. Look, I'm not buying into the hype trade, alright? <laughs> no, look, I'm not buying into necessarily it is real either, but I think the movie builds an interesting, grounded sense of this world, and I think especially of this environment. I like early on, we sort of get a Martin Scorsese kind of shot of the whole layout of the apartment, just and also just of these characters, of the kids, to really mm-hmm. immerse you in the idea of like what's going to be happening here. And I thought they did a really good job, especially with credit to the actress, and apologies, um, I am white, so as I pronounce this, uh, Sandra Asena, Asena, I apologize. Like I said, yeah, really white. That. But she is phenomenal in the film. I think of really relaying a lot of that stress of not just a teenager, but also someone who's added more years to her life just by like all of mm. this compounding shit that's going on. I really believed her, and especially a lot of great like subtle moments. Like there, there's a scene where she's being interviewed, more interrogated by a school nurse, and who's questioning her about like, are you diabetic? Are you did you you know, using any drugs, all of that. And you can tell it's just like this girl is so timid. She wants nothing more than to make friends. Anytime she hangs out with other people her age, it's awkward, especially when they're just like, oh, you're going to babysit your brothers and sisters again. And just that remorse and that regret on her face, I think I, I really believed a lot of that. And I thought also the same thing with the littler kids were all pretty cute, including the little boy. He was the most adorable little kid I've ever seen. <laughs> like he was manufactured in the same plant that's just like, well, 25 years ago we made Macaulay Culkin. We can do yeah. it again, boys. Well, let's give him a wonky eye. It's <laughs> true. Like, aw, he's gonna wear big old corrective lenses. <laughs> <laughs> and and the fact that they all connect with like the commercial jingle and that sort of later comes mm-hmm. into play at the seance. The, the, the movie spends at least the first third or so really building up a lot of that. So oh, the yeah, scares definitely. that take place are you know make are a lot more effective. But, the, but there's a lot of shit in this movie that you've seen a hundred times. Like, the blind nun, the, um, obviously the Ouija board itself, where is she going crazy because she's just now got her period halfway through the movie, or is it, you know, it's just, there's a lot of shit I've seen a hundred times. But is it ineffectively done? Um, no, but it's formulaically done. All the steps are there that I've seen before. They're done well, it's acted well, everything else, but I've seen it. I mean, granted, there's going to be certain tropes in most genre films that you've seen in other genre films. So I guess maybe the hype train did get to me a little bit because I'm sitting there going, I don't, I guess I don't get it. Like, I don't get what this is getting all this attention about. Well, I, I think definitely that I can see how that hype train can affect you on a certain level. But at the same time with me, and in any case where especially horror spoilers can be a formulaic genre. You see a lot of movies no. that do this. I'm sorry, Adam. I gotta sit you down. Come on. Um, let me let me show you a side by side. Set me down. Go <laughs> <laughs> <Don't> fuck yourself. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the, the template's pretty much there, with especially sort of like a position horror movie, and especially a lot of these cases. But what I really go into with any of these, especially possession horror movies, where it's a genre that. I can name the amount of good demon possession horror movies on, like, one hand, and there's enough to fill yeah, I think a room full of hands. Oh, yeah, no, I can fill my entire place with them. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I can agree with that. There's new possession movies every fucking week, I swear to God. I mean, mm-hmm. the possession experiment, yeah, you know, the Abneyville possession, the house possession. You're like, what the fuck? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I will say, there was a couple things in here, though, man, where I was, like, generally like, oh, that's kind of... It's kind of effed up. Her dad, when she actually sees him, I'm like, that is so fucked. Well, especially how he corrodes in, like, the shadow and stuff like that. Yeah, and he's fucking buck-ass naked. Mm -hmm. Like, how creepy and weird just that alone. Yeah. Like, just that it would appear to her as her naked father, which could open up a whole other set of potential issues this girl might be having. You never know. Mm -hmm. Um, That and with the mattresses. Yes. That was kind of crazy. 
where well, they're in the shape of them laying there in different ways. And it plays into an interesting th- theme of, like, much like these mattresses are so neglected, at least in the way they look mm-hmm. with these black scars, it mirrors the same thing with Sir Veronica and her mother, and how the mother, through not intentionally at all, she's just trying to, like, help these kids out, but she's clearly yeah. neglecting the needs of all of them, especially Veronica, who she oh, is like, yeah. I need you to grow up. It's such a tragic bit where it's just like, this kid can't even have a normal childhood because you're laying all yeah, of this responsibility. Everything on her. Everything is on her. Getting the kids ready, getting them to school, make sure their schoolwork's done, make sure they've eaten, getting them to bed. Everything. Uh, I mean, she's even got to bathe them. And so it's like, damn, dude, if I was 15, I don't think I could do it. Exactly, yeah. And especially, this is the early 90s where she's going to have the grace of like, oh, I can Skype chat with my friends or anything like that. This is the mm-hmm. early 90s where it's just like, I'll play Simon. Oh, wait, the Simon machine's haunted. Right, Can't do yeah, that. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Which yeah, I also liked should, how they used yeah. the Simon machine, by the way. I thought that was yeah, like, the light, the lighting and stuff. Yeah, that was yes. really cool. But what about I some other that. sequences that really surprised you? That really worked for you? The dream sequence with the "I need you to grow up," where the kids run in to wake her up, and then grab her arms and just start fucking gnashing on her. Oh, what the fuck is this? Something in horror movies that's done a lot is these dream sequences are just for no reason. And uh-huh. it's just, like, for a, a bad scare to be put in there that doesn't actually say anything about the characters. Great example of a scare that does show awful lot about the character. And, more importantly, also um, kind of plays into it later where she's like, oh, wait, I still have the bite marks on me. What's this about? They did, a what, like, maybe three dream sequences in this movie, I think, about mm-hmm. that. And uh, they were all very effective. The ones they did, it showed her uh, deterioration mentally. I thought really well. Yeah, I, I'm like you. I usually hate dream sequences in movies. They, they drive me fucking nuts. I feel it's like such a cheap tactic. But uh, no, I thought they were decent in this. I liked that. Um, there, you know, when she would see the like the creature or whatever you want to call it, where it would she'd be walking almost parallel with it through the hallway, right? And it would be behind a certain window, and she'd be on the other side. That was kind of cool. Where you know, which basically come to find out, it was probably her own reflection. She was saying. That was pretty cool. Another sequence, I liked the part where she was walking, and she's going forward, but everything else is in reverse around her. Right, That was yes. That was pretty cool. Yeah, that really it gets you inside of her headspace as all this is going on. And I will say, yeah. there's a lot of stuff that I can agree I've seen other things, but I think is also done in an extremely effective way that got me invested in this character, with stuff like the shadow play that's at hand. Very clearly, like, oh man, that's Nosferatu old. That's <laughs> nearly yeah, 100 well years done. old. At this I point. mean, really yes, well done. Yeah. Exceptionally well done, and gives you a lot of the atmosphere that's going on there, and also just immerses you in this factor that you're talking about of really blurring the line of, like, is it really Veronica or not? And even when mm-hmm. we find that out, that sort of twist that's there, I, yeah. despite the fact that I can agree that, especially even the first time I watched it, um, I did kind of feel. Saw it come. Yeah. No, I I don't disagree with that. But at the same time, I still felt really immersed in the tragedy of her going back and realizing all that, and especially the fact that these brothers and sisters of hers, especially the brother who she is treated as like surrogate children at this point, mm. are afraid of her and how that really weighs on her since she helped raise them pretty much. The weight you feel with her, just the whole movie, and that just climaxes in the. Uh, very sad but beautiful way. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Have you no heart, Adam? Well, like I said, I we differ on that. But yeah, I saw it coming, so it wasn't really like I, I was kind of checked out by the time it happened a little bit because I, I knew it was happening. So, granted, it's not. Can you really even call it a twist? Really? Because I don't. If you can't kind of see that this is coming, I. I mean, you can't be watching it that closely, then. I, I think it's more a problem of... It's it's definitely clear that they're playing it as a twist, rather than, I think, if they kind of just leaned into more of that um, ambiguity. I think, I think it would have been more effective, yeah. to be honest. I, I would agree with that, because they even have, like, the Kaiser Sose thing of, like, Oh my god, everything from my past in the last uh-huh. couple of days, it all connects together. Um, I, I agree yeah, with that. Obviously. Yeah, I don't necessarily like the way that it's necessarily played there, um, but I think on the emotional level it really works, and that's the more important thing to me. Well, I mean, you're just a softie. Yes, that's true. I have empathy. (laughs) Which makes you a softie pussy in this world. Read the internet, Um, Adam. It's all the rage. (laughs) (laughs) No, another another thing, the score in certain parts of this movie is fucking awesome. 
Mm-hmm. I thought it had a really good score, but my my favorite part where I really noticed the sound design is during the uh, the seance with her sisters, where right. so I had my headphones on, and you can just hear the noise coming from all over the place, the thumps and the bangs and everything. It was a re- and how they were uh, had the camera spinning across the room, showing them all. Yes. Focus. I mean, that was such a good. That was a tense scene. That was a good scene. That was so. I'm like, don't make your sisters play this fucking game. <laughs> Come on. But I get why she would. But still, look what fucking happened to you. You're gonna make these little kids play. You <laughs> it's, degenerate. <laughs> it, it's very effective sound mixing. Yeah, the movie does a great job of doing that, especially in enclosed places like there or the scene in the school attic. Also does mm-hmm. that I think pretty well. Yeah, that was good. Um. One scene that I, I thought was unnecessary, even though it's a quick little scene, but it was real artsy for no reason. When she's walking across the pages of the occult book. That was a, something I especially kind of caught on with this rewatch, especially, that I've, I completely forgot about from the first time I saw it. And I think it actually works for me. I think especially really? because... Really? I thought it didn't fit at all. Well, I, don't, I think it fits for me because she's got so much of this on the brain, and that becomes a big factor, especially as things go on about, like, her mother saying, like, oh, you're too obsessed with this, you're reading too much about this stuff. It's what's on her mind this entire time. She can't, like, go around without thinking about it. I think that relates to a very, like, real thing in terms of just... <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes? Yeah, you want to yeah, get a word yeah, in? Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go no, ahead. You, you kind of already got that. I don't know that they need to have that one-off scene. I don't know, I think that escalates it, because it's just the fact that she's been, like, so obsessively reading all of this that she literally can't look down without this, like, writing that's, like, all-consuming over her. I thought it worked interestingly. It might be confusing if, uh, for, you know, say, an English-speaking audience, it's like, I have to read subtitles and the shit's over it. Guys, come on. I can't speak Spanish or read Spanish, but I, I could tell what was going on. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Look, I don't hate the movie. I think it's a decent, it's a well-made, decent movie. I just don't, I guess I don't get the... The hype? The, the, the buzz about it. Well, not even the hype. I, I mean, like, even listening to yourself, or after I watched it, I listened to other people and read other reviews, or like, no, don't believe it, this movie's fucking blah, I'm like, eh, I don't know. Maybe it might just not be up my alley, I don't know. We need to talk about this. This is mm-hmm. a Netflix-released horror movie. One of 15,000 so far they've released this year. Um, 15,017. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. I gotta yeah. check my numbers next time. Right. Um, they release these all the time, but I would argue this is definitely one of the better ones. But at the same time, like many of the really great movies they acquisition, it gets buried pretty hard in a way because every single week they keep pumping out at least ten goddamn movies. Constantly. And do you think that's a viable release strategy for these? Uh, well, if there was better advertising for them, sure. You could release a hundred of them a week, but as long as you promote them all in some way. Right, like say, build up hype by mentioning a lot of good reviews that get people to watch it. (laughs) That's not what I... Fuck you, man. (laughs) Don't you turn the tables on me. Oh no, this table was turned from the start. Even if they do it how they do most of the time, they'll do, you know, when you first start up Netflix, it'll have the big top menu of like, you know, the new comedy stand-up special or whatever. But they'll have the same thing on there for four or five days, and then they'll change it. Change it every, you know, couple hours. Even then, if you, you know, because I turn it on and say, what the fuck is this, and watch the trailer, and then end up watching it. Even if they did that for some of these releases. Like, look, this is a good enough horror movie amongst all the shit that's out there now to where it should get a little more advertising and stuff like that. I, I think Netflix is the good spot for it. I don't think this would have done well in a theater run, but... I don't know, man. You're backing me against the wall. Nobody puts baby in a corner. <laughs> I am no Patrick Swayze. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is my problem more in terms of a lot of that hype stuff um, is what they sort of need to advertise a movie like this. And the movies they actually put their advertising behind tend to be movies that aren't really that good. Like an Adam Sandler comedy. They'll, I, I saw Netflix trailers for that shitty one with Chris Rock where they're oh. at the wedding or what the fuck ever all the time. I didn't see well, anything I mean- about Veronica. Cloverfield Paradox. Well, right, that's an infamous example where oh. they're they're just like motherfuckers at the Super Bowl. Cloverfield Paradox, it's, right after it's the Cloverfield. game. Right, exactly. I'm like, <laughs> what? I watched it that night. I'm like, what the fuck was this? 
<laughs> I was very disappointed. In that Did you one stick as well. around for the post cred scene where Rick Moranis said, "Fooled you"? My <laughs> oh, God, I wish. <laughs> that's, <laughs> me, it kind of felt that way. I don't know. I didn't hate that movie, but that's a different I mean, discussion. Yeah, yeah, that's a whole different discussion. I hope that it's never a discussion had. But um, I mean, like I said, dude, it's a good movie. It's it's a de- well, it's decent. No, I, uh, fuck that. It's good. I'll stick to that. It's a good movie. Uh, it's. For atmosphere alone, it, it's really well done. It's shot very well. It looks like it had a decent budget to it, even though it obviously didn't. You don't feel the seams of a low budget, really, at all, because it's a pretty contained story. But I just... I, I've seen it before. I've seen well, it a hundred times. And, and I guess I should also ask, are you a fan of the Wreck movies? Yes. The first two. Right. Three, three was mediocre at best, and four was just direct yeah it's it's a weird thing where three is one where it's like it's a decent horror comedy that if yeah. anything should have just been a lot more detached from the wreck series and would have been a lot more appreciated i agree probably. i i completely agree I, I think if it didn't have the wreck title too it would have been a better movie right but do you think how do you sort of compare paco plaza's work from there to here I think Paco Plaza is a very very effective director as far as like mood and atmosphere goes and tension I have no problem with his directing ability at all. I think he's actually one of the unsung out there. I wish he'd get more work, at least more mainstream work. No, I mean, I think the guy can set up a shot very well. He, he gets what he wants out of his actors. But why don't we go into our final thoughts, I guess, on Veronica uh, overall. Go ahead. No, you know what? You go ahead. Aw, shit. Now the tables have turned. <laughs> but yeah, I, I would not say, like, this was... It's still one of my favorite movies of the year. It would be in, like, a top 20 as of yet of movies that I've seen from this year. Um, it, it might disappear as, you know, more movies come in and I see them. But uh, at the same time, I, I think this is a really effective character-based horror story. I, I really love the main actress, and I think a lot of the stuff with the kids is really uh, engaging. And it's a very interesting backbone for the horror stuff to come out of. And while predictable at points, and I think maybe they should have played certain hands differently... At the same time, I'd still say that um, it's still pretty effective in terms of some of the scares and the shocks, but in a way that doesn't feel cheap, which I think is the most important thing that makes it a bit more durable as a horror movie, and one that, if you haven't seen you have a Netflix account, I would definitely recommend um, putting up there. Uh, you know, just uh, pop it on, and I think you'll have a very fun time. Yeah, I mean, I'll echo some of those statements. If you're a horror fan, you'll enjoy this. If you don't like horror movies, then just, you're not going to get <laughs> anything out of this. Um, yeah, I mean, at all. Um, I did like that it didn't rely on a lot of jump scares, that they actually did put work into creating you know, a sense of overall dread. But uh, again, if you're well-versed in a lot of horror movies, you might be able to predict some of it, and that might ruin the experience for you, or you might get more enjoyment out of it, or it might not bother you at all. I apparently it sort of ruined it for me. Um, but, you know, I haven't seen shit this year, so this is my number one movie of the year so far. So, so <laughs> no, I guess it isn't. It's in my top three. But, um, no, I, I think it's decent. It, it's well made. It's well shot. It's well acted. But, uh, I don't know, just something didn't connect with me on this viewing. Maybe another viewing might do it maybe with somebody else, because sometimes that's infectious. But, uh, yeah, just not for me this time. Well, I'm sure it is uh, in that top three, probably right under our next film, Hurricane Heist. Oh. There's a hurricane coming. We gotta go. We're on lockdown due to the storm. Come on, man. Oh, boy. Turn around now. Do it. This is not good. No witnesses. Get in! What the hell was that about? The treasury's being robbed. Where is she? They need me. I'm the only one with the code. We're about to be crushed by the biggest storm of the century. Look out! I knew today was going to be... Slow down. Here goes nothing. You better hope not. Let's get the money. That thing wants to swallow us whole. 
Hell of a day, ain't it? Hell of a day! So yes, Hurricane Heist, um, a movie that, unlike Veronica, which I'm sure you probably heard of, um, Hurricane Heist was a movie that came and went in the I gust of a hurricane. I, I didn't even know it existed, I swear to God. <laughs> Until we did our thing? Until you told me. I'm like, wait, what? What the fuck am I watching? <laughs> For those of you who missed out on this, so everyone listening, um, Hurricane Heist came out briefly on uh, March 9th, 2018, earlier this year. Um, oh my god, it, it came out in March? I know! It It was a movie oh that came out god. that weekend, and before you could, like, turn around, it was just pulled from most theaters. Uh, because it made, uh, for a $35 million budget, its total worldwide gross is 12.7. So, oh. not a big hit um, at all. Interesting. No. This movie, this movie just fascinates me for certain things. Like, by the way, uh, if you look at the credits, there are 29 credited producers on Jesus. Well, yeah, I was doing a little research on this because I think a lot of it are producers who are attached to the, like, 90s versions of this and stuff. It's probably the same people who have their name attached to the script in some way still. Right, we should point out um, that... We, I, I don't know if they're part of the same production of this movie, but the trivia on IMDb is so skimp that there's stuff like, in the early 1990s, Sylvester Stallone was attached to star in a similar project to this film called Gale Force, about an ex-Navy SEAL who defends a seacoast town from a gang of modern pirates during a hurricane. <laughs> <laughs> I wish they weren't modern pirates. The hurricane stirred up the oceans that they were on the bottom of. Yarg! We must stop the salon! Hey, I don't know. The pirates are going to invade the seacoast town. What else is going on? I mean, uh, you know, shiver me timbers, you know. <laughs> pirates of the Caribbean 6. <laughs> shiver my stallone. <laughs> but, but yeah, so, you know, hurricane movies, um, not too common. Um, There's most, a reason. True, because even, like, the more infamous ones, like, Technically not a hurricane because it's a twister, uh, but twister is a thing um, that definitely <laughs> clearly inspired this movie a lot. Yeah, uh, yeah, and not maybe the most effective way, but at the same time, you know, like a twister is at least a bit more effective because everybody's it's giving fun. their all. Um, yeah, because right. you got late Philip Seymour Hoffman doing that with a terrible character, Bill Paxton also doing that with one of my favorite over-the-top stupid moments in a movie where they're like, the hurricane's coming! And he's like, it's already here. Uh-huh. I, I love how terrible that is. He just commits to it so much. But yeah, Hurricane Heist doesn't uh, quite achieve that. Um, though, I will say, maybe controversially, I, th- I think this is honestly one of the better of the bad movies we've had to cover for the show. Oh, no. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> of the bad movies we've had to cover for the show. Uh, it's not Miami Connection, but I think it's better yeah, than well, that, well, that's the winner. Dude, Wired I, I, or Theodore X or I, most of those I, others. Ghost Rider was more entertaining than this. Well, I, I would I would agree with that. To this movie. Well. This fucking turd of a movie. <laughs> we should Let's explain the plot briefly of Hurricane Heist. So oh, it's, sure, have that. <laughs> um, you, you heard the title. It's what it says on the tin. Um, the, basically, this, um, you know, this group of bank robbers are going in to steal from, uh, like a, what is like a Federal Reserve? Federal Reserve, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that is in the middle of nowhere during a Category 5 hurricane, because the smartest ideas, obviously, especially when it's all based in tech. (laughs) Surrounded by, uh, European people doing Southern accents. Oh, we'll we'll get into that because uh, our Fuck. our main our main character um, is a meteorologist, uh, Will, who is also trying to help out his brother, who is in the middle of like I believe being undercover, working underneath these people, and you see a flashback scene where their dad dies in the middle of a hurricane, very twisterish. Oh. Um, oh, yeah. for sure. But in, in such a like anticlimactic way, like I love how terrible the opening of this movie is where you see the little kids, the two brothers, and they're the dad's just like, you guys need to stop horsing around. Why don't you remember your football plays? Because oh. remember this audience, you're going to need oh, this yeah. later. There's going to be a callback. And they go through just like all their stupid football plays. And then the hurricane happens and the dad dies in like the worst way. Like a not saving the... Rolls towards him. <laughs> not saving the kids. 
not doing something heroic, trying to stop, you know, shield no, these children in any way. It's just like, I'm a coming! <laughs> like a fucking no, piece he, of pizza he, dough. He breaks into a house and puts the kids in the house. And then, oh, I gotta go get the fucking truck. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Stay at the house with the kids, man. And those poor Fuck child actors. And those poor child actors who have to try and do, like, the Star Trek acting of, like, oh, uh, the hurricane's happening and the camera's just tilted. They're like, oh, no. And they're falling uh, over. See, uh, I would say moments like that tease what could have been a more consistently so bad it's good movie. And I think there are moments like that peppered throughout. It's not consistent enough to where I would, like, recommend this movie in that way, necessarily. But I saw glimpses of that in a way that made the movie, like, just more disappointing than terrible to me. Because I'm just like, oh, this could have been so perfect if you just kept doing shitty things like that more consistently. Or having uh, stuff wait, like... A, but there was a lot of shitty things in this movie. Man. Well, no, there's, there's definitely shitty things in this movie. Um, Very much anything centered around, like, the bank heist stuff. We're, for this Hurricane movie, the heist element is so lame... But at the same time, I still thought there was fun stuff. Like, I love the guy who works at the bank who's trying to stop them, and and he finds out that the guys who are, like, deep undercover Maggie Grace and her British boyfriend are in on it. And I was just like, oh, my God. I can't believe this. Etu Brute, I've been double-crossed. He's, Uh like, so invested in this in just hilarious ways. If anything, just... I wish there was more of, like, that, or, say, even um, we got Ralph... Innes, Inson, sorry, Ralph Inson, who oh, you might God, recognize dude. as the dad from The Witch. Who, I think they just let him improv. Because <laughs> there's some of his lines and shit just go on for no reason. Like, when he goes downstairs and catches fucking Jason Stackhouse from True Blood doing drinking or something, <laughs> and he's like, I, I'm not a violent person, but I'm fucking, you're gonna make me blah blah blah. Now, don't talk to me. I can't stand people talking to me anymore. He just walks away. Right, which makes him the best character in the movie. In all honesty, for me. Because he, oh. he's, he's just like in some other realm that I want to be in. This yeah, whole movie. Right, he was completely just not there. <laughs> like, I don't know if he was stoned or what. He, he is just like... His, and the way he conjectures his jaw like he's preparing to chew into the scenery. Like, after every take, he just like takes a huge bite. Into no, the scene. That guy's a really good actor, but holy fuck, Jesus! And I don't know if it's because of the quality he pe- the people he had to bounce off of or what, but I mean, oh man, and, and, you know, and fucking Rob Cohen from you know the original Fast and the Furious. Mm-hmm. God, were they banking on that to sell this movie? Because if you even look at the poster art for this movie, it's in the same font. As the original, as the Fast and the Furious font. They even everything. do like a big car stunt where there's a point oh, where they're sure. inside of the car. And a it's tank Toby, for some reason. That's like, they got, yeah. they loaned the tumbler from Christian Bale. That's what meteorologists um. drive now. <laughs> I'll go ahead and put them drones up for you, but I gotta eat my peanut butter and get a sandwich. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what the so, fuck? So yeah, uh, but yeah, in the scene, Toby Kebbell like ends up putting like these anchors essentially into the into the street, and it causes like the car to like pause so it can get like this other truck just like murder these people horribly. I love so much this movie's like killing all these people with like either guns or that kind of shit, and it's like you guys are in the middle of a hurricane. Just, like, hunker mm-hmm. down. They're probably gonna die. They're gonna die, dude. <laughs> I just love, there's a whole shootout sequence where they're, like, trying to shoot at each other, and it's just like, guys, giant gale force winds are going to suck you up at any moment. Hold they're on throwing, to a bar. They're throwing hubcaps like laser beams. Oh, I loved them. that! I love that yeah. they throw hubcaps like discuses and fucking hit them with it. And also, in this, by the way, this small town set that looks clearly just like, you built this. It's on with, a back lot somewhere. The, like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, totally. There's like like a few steps away, they're filming NCIS. Right. Um, oh, definitely. At, at some point, it's just like, hey, turn down the wind machine. You know, Ice-T needs to say bad exposition dialogue over here. I mean, dude, and all right. But can we talk about Toby Kebbell for just yes. a second? So, well, let's, let's preface that Toby Kebbell you might not recognize because he's more famous and quite frankly better as a motion capture actor for stuff like the Dawn of the Planet of the Apes he played uh, Kuba the evil ape uh, yeah. Pope, and also in um, like the Warcraft movie he was Kong 
Right, and he was Kong in Kong Skull Island. And he also uh, played yeah. a character who was a real human character, and he had mm-hmm. a similar... Um, bad is being charitable not Southern as, accent? Not as bad. Not as bad. I don't know. This it's, it's fucking it's, accent. <laughs> I mean, what, dude? I couldn't believe it. I'm like, wait, are they seriously... Seriously, he's doing that? Like, that's him? He's not, he's not joking around right now? Like, Adam no. did an impression, and it was kind, um, because... Yeah, right, and I was doing, like, the biggest oaky, like, all phony, <laughs> we'll get some moonshine, sit out on the porch, play the banjo for a spell. No, but that, <laughs> but you're going a bit higher, he has more of, like, a deeper voice with it, which makes it feel incredibly inauthentic, just like, oh, oh golly, so I don't know yeah, if we can get ourselves past exactly. this Ahura McCain. Like he's Lenny for Mice and Men. Like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> uh, I'd argue, though, one good Toby Cobble performance that I've seen live action is uh, Rock and Rolla. Okay. The Guy Ritchie movie. Have you not seen that one? I, I have not seen that one. Going in the back pocket. Another good one, Go I would say, is uh, the Black Mirror episode, The Entire History of You. Yeah, that was good. Right. Um, yeah. It's like the third episode in the first season. He he was very good in that. He's definitely yes. sort of the counter to like an Andy Circus, where you're like, oh man, Andy Circus is such a great actor in and out of the mocap suit. And yes. it's like, it's Toby. This fucking guy. Stay in the mocap suit, Toby. Don't give him accents. Just don't let him do these horrible southern accents. What are they doing? Yeah, especially like. That, that... You're telling me you couldn't find a, a, an actor with a real southern actor to do this part? Toby Kebbell's not a name. Like, Toby Cabell's not selling your movie. No, really, the Holy only sh- the only arguable name in the movie is Maggie Grace, and that's stretching it in terms I, of I'd, a name. I'd throw Ryan Quanton in there just because of how big True Blood was. Like, people would probably see him and be like, oh, that's fucking Jason Stackhouse. But even then, though. <laughs> oh, God. And he's just playing Jason Stackhouse in this movie. But, I was also not a True Blood person, so I... I I think I saw the first season, maybe season two, just because once it, like, Southern Vampires were like, all right, cool, but then, like, fairies and shit, I'm like, all right, I'm done. I checked out. (laughs) But, uh... Can we talk about, speaking of supernatural stuff, the weird recurring motif of having the hurricane have a face? Oh my god, dude. Okay. (laughs) They personify the the hurricane for some reason. They give it a skull. Like, dude... What? Like, at the end, oh my god, when he's looking in the rearview mirror, I'm literally like, is fucking Emotep in this hurricane? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, it felt like Emotep. I was just I waiting know. for, like, one of the hurricanes like, to pull up some, like, a hurricane arm, like, I'll get you next oh, time, so be careful. They might as well have. They might as well have. Well, especially because, like, they cross state lines, and the hurricane's well, just like, like when damn he gets it. away from it, a smile and a wink. <laughs> yeah, and just like apparently they cross state lines, they're just like, damn it, I- I'm wanted in that state, I can't go in there. <laughs> I guess. I, I'm on probation. <laughs> oh. I'll just destroy yeah. more people to the right of me. We're gonna get in the eye of the hurricane, and it's gonna be like a bright sunny day, and we can just drive right through it. No, that's not how hurricanes work, buddy. Because <laughs> you're gonna get to the other side of the eye of that fucking hurricane. Especially, like, we need to go back to the heist, because so many elements of the plan, especially things they think of on the spot, just really mainly coincide with the hurricane will hit at this specific point, at this time, and we know, because magic, to, to have, like, there's a whole yeah. scene where they go into the mall, and the hurricane goes over, and it causes, oh like, the God. glass thing on top to break, so everybody yeah, comes, it's like, like barometric, the barometric pressure is too intense inside the mall or something. <laughs> like, I think that's what they were getting at. I don't know if barometric pressure makes you fucking fly but i mean i I don't know i'm not a meteorologist with a tank (laughs) see but didn't you find some of it at least like funny bad entertaining and all i i I, now talking about it yes watching it i I just went i can't what i was so confused i don't know if they were trying to be funny no but that makes it more for more funny to me because it played it's played so straight like, this is a movie that is 100% in it. Like I said, there's so many side characters that kind of have that. There's also weird things, like, even when they have humor, they have to, like, bring it down a notch, where it's just, like, it's um, Co- Toby Cable and the love interest kind of, like, laughing in the car. They're like, ha, 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 yeah. But seriously, you know, hurricanes are terrible, and it's going to get worse every single right. year, and things are going to be terrible. It's just, like, downer? <laughs> like, we're already well, dealing with a hurricane well, movie, it. and you're bringing this up, it's starting to be or, just, like, <laughs> socially conscious. 
they get out of the tank to piss under a freeway pass, which were somehow isn't affected by the hurricane. Yes. And both of them just fucking pop a squat and piss. And then it's like, yeah, we're pissing, but you better turn yourself in because that's my brother, god damn it. And you're like, wait a second. You just saved what the fuck is going on? Just like, hey, guys, hey, we had our fun, but shit's been oh, real. I like that the uh, the shredder goes down and instantly some British dude and his hot girlfriend show up. Hey, we're here to fix it. Oh, yeah, cool. Come on in. <laughs> but, and he's all tatted out. I mean, that guy wasn't suspicious at all. And by the way, what a stereotypical. Yeah, just, oh, God. You talk about and rock and roll. He feels like a, a Guy Ritchie extra. Just like coming. Yeah, like, oh, I'm going to fix your bank. Security. Right. I'll fix shredders. Um, but, um, and everybody was related or like were there significant others? <laughs> you know, all the criminals. And it was either a significant other or their brothers or something. I, I mean, what? Just fucking what? And what was their plan? I don't understand. So they're going to get all this fucking money that's, and then just drive it out in semis and nobody's going to question it like, at all. Oh god! But I I loved also when they're chasing they're chasing away from the hurricane, and Ralph Innocent oh. looks up as like his money gets just sucked up by the hurricane. He literally says, "No, my money!" <laughs> <laughs> and he's got a cap on. And I was waiting for him to like take off his cap and just like stop on the ground. Like, dang it, darn it! And then for somehow that same trailer just comes back and lands directly on top of the semi. <laughs> It's like, it's like a cartoon. It's like a name. I could when they were calling out fucking football plays driving semis. I'm going, oh Jesus Christ! Like I expected, I did expect them to call out football plays in more of like a firefight or a fist fight situation, not with semis. So that football play is you get right alongside a guy and just bump him into each other. That's that football play. Yeah, oh, and, and, and hope that he gets swept up by gale force winds. And Maggie Grace is just movie poison at this point. I mean, isn't she? What, what's the last good thing she's done, dude? What Taken, the first one, and even that movie is not a good movie. It's just entertaining. Well, especially when she's just playing like, Dad, I'm just your average high school girl, and you're like, you're in your mid twenties already. And they kept right, playing that in the other movies. But but yeah, and here especially like her whole gimmick's just like, oh man. You, her, my hot British boyfriend is cracking codes and safes. I've got to fuck him while he's doing it. Like, that's all that her wasn't, fucking character that's not, is. No, no, no. Maggie Grace is the treasury agent. Oh, that's true. You're right. I don't know. It's yeah, almost as if a... these characters are really indistinct. <laughs> exactly. But what, I don't understand what, Maggie, what her um, her arc was. Like, oh, you, you fucked up wherever you were stationed before, and some people probably got killed because of it. So this is your one last shot. <laughs> what? So what you're saying is, Adam, you're not surprised this was left theaters quite quickly. Yeah, because I mean, and then she had some like quasi like sexual tension with the dude who was still at the Federal Reserve. Like he's like, yeah, it's not funny, you know, you hurt me. And then they never go into that anymore. It's like, what is go- this movie? This fucking movie is like just half thought out ideas thrown onto a page. Like, yeah, fuck it, film it. Well, and giant waves that kill everybody but our heroes. <laughs> yes, just conveniently, just the <laughs> they the, survive. The force only allows for like certain people to get lifted up, and every time it it looks just like we did a bad CG version of like a Wizard of Oz thing. It's just like, no, we're oh, going up into oh, the air. Yeah. <laughs> They're on those fucking ropes, flying above the mall. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> <was> so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're exhausting uh, all of our energy on Hurricane Heist. Adam, you do your final thoughts on Hurricane Heist. I don't pay money to see this. I paid, I think, like a buck ninety for it to rent it from like Redbox, and I want my dollar ninety back. If it comes on Netflix or some, and if you're look, dude, if you're sitting around drinking with your buddies or doing something else with your buddies, yeah, I, I think you're gonna have fun with it. But you gotta go into it knowing you're about to see some just the most ridiculous shit ever. Be prepared for just, like, a lot of what-the-fuck moments. So I think you'll have fun with it with that. But, dude, just anytime Toby Kebbell comes on screen, just plug your ears. It's so nauseatingly bad, his accent. It's fun enough, like, in the old, like, early 90s disaster movies, like 
cliffhanger-ish, Dante's Peak, that type of shit, where it's like, this could never happen, but whatever, it's, I'm going to watch it anyways and have it's a good time. Yeah, definitely, think, if we sort of got the Stallone-starring version of this, it'd probably be a lot more fun. And I think a PG-13 rating almost like might have hurt this movie a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think if it was R and they did more of like gratuitous violence, I think it would have made it more fun. Like people just being flayed across yeah, the street. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Cut in half by the, you know, the power lines or something like that. Just ludicrous shit. I think it would have been a little bit better. And just Stallone but, coming in with one line. It's like, now here comes the story of the hurricane. Or right, exactly. Like <laughs> just like, you ready for some uh, hurricane? Hurricane. <laughs> 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 We've devolved into madness. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, to steer this back into gear, I agree to a certain degree with Adam. I think there are enough funny, bad things sprinkled in here to make it an entertaining kind of bad movie watch. Oh, I would recommend it with substances. Um, it helped me get kind of through it, um, for for sure. Um, but at the same time, I would definitely say, even for a Rob Cohen vehicle, I would say Rob Cohen's movies usually tend to kind of side more in the funny bad territory for me. Like, the first Fast and Furious has a lot of moments like that. My favorite oh, of his films, the one of the best bad movie gems of the last several years, is The Boy Next Door, the Jennifer Lopez movie. Hysterical. Oh I forgot that was him. Yeah, it's that's so a good one. fucking funny. I put it in my back pocket for some point oh, as well. Um, but yeah, this one, um, it's it's got a few interesting special effects moments. Uh, it's got a few just crazy what the fuck things going on. But I definitely agree that I think Toby Kebbell and I, Maggie Grace um, kind of just like sync this is really kind of bland, serviceable, but not very memorable leads, as you could tell from my misconstruing her and the other female <laughs> cast member in the film. Um, it's uh, also Ralph Innocent, shout out to Ralph Innocent, who everyone needed to be on his level. I think if everyone was on Ralph Innocent's level, this movie would be fucking hysterical. In a really yes, I agree. So bad, it's a good way. Uh, but yeah, it ultimately um, just kind of wafts away in not even a Category 1 breeze. A light summer breeze would shift this one away into nothing. I like what you did there. Yes, it was almost kind of uh, lyrical in the way that was constructed. Um, yeah. But enough sitting on our high horses. Uh, we've got some feedback to talk about. Lots of feedback. Um, first, a big thing, a monumentous occasion. Our first iTunes review has come in. That's awesome. Yes, uh, uh, from Lance from Texas, has this to say. Um, if you love movies, you will have a blast with this show. The two hosts have great chemistry, lots of knowledge, and aren't afraid to look at classics as well as certified bombs. The double feature focuses on a good movie as well as a really bad one that have something in common. A fun show, and you will learn a lot about movie history. We don't think that's a necessary guarantee on that. No, not at all. No. Uh, Especially if you just listened to the episode uh, before we read that comment. (laughs) Where we're... Yeah, no, yeah, I mean, not, at least not for this episode, not really. No, well, history is like the last six months, to be fair. Uh, the, the last yeah, six months true. in movie history that. isn't that detailed um, as much. But uh, thank you, Lance, who, if I might be right, might be the host of The Horror Returns, Lance Langford. And even if it isn't him, Ooh. go listen to The Horror Returns. That's a fun show. I was on a recent episode. Yeah, support those guys. They're good guys. Thank you, Mystery Lance. Yes, thank you, Mystery Lance. Um, And I was here on a recent episode of The Horror Returns talking about Hereditary, one of the best films of the year. And speaking of that, we asked you all out there on our Twitter page and our Facebook page, which we are at DEDBpod for Twitter, and also DEDBpod is our Facebook page username on there. Uh, We asked you all what are the best and worst movies for you as of yet this year. And we got some responses uh, from Scott Johnson, a previous friend of the show on here, um, says, best Paddington 2, worst Action Point. I have not seen Action Point, but Paddington 2 is delightful. I haven't seen either, but I gotta imagine Action Point belongs there. I, I would figure so. But yeah, Paddington 2 is so great, in and in especially in a time where things are dark and dreary. Paddington 2 will lift your spirits. I would especially recommend Adam. It's a very good family film. I will I will definitely seek that one out, then. Yes. Um, Jonathan Habdemichael, 
uh, has this to say, uh, best Black Panther, worst the 1517 to Paris, which was almost the worst option we could have done had them. Oh. <laughs> so thank, thank you, Lucky Stars. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. I, although, I'm gonna guess Jonathan hasn't seen Hurricane Heist. <laughs> I don't know, I've heard pretty bad things about 1517 to Paris. My, my favorite... I know, me too, but... My favorite thing is apparently, like, there are a bunch of comedic actors apparently in 1517 to Paris. Like, the history teacher is, it's, he's played by the guy who played Urkel. Jaleel White? Jaleel White, yes, is the guy Wait who plays second. the history Isn't teacher. is 1517 to Paris the Clint Eastwood movie? Yes, yes it is. Why is Jaleel White in a Clint Eastwood movie? And also, like, Tony Hale's the principal apparently. It sounds oh my weird. God. What? <laughs> They're all playing serious roles. It sounds pretty bad. <laughs> Um, but we've both okay. seen Black Panther, uh, if I'm uh-huh. correct. And are you were you a fan of Black Panther, Adam? Oh yeah, absolutely. I thought Black Panther is one of the best Marvel movies there's been. Mm-hmm. I think it's fantastic. I uh, Michael B. Jordan, holy shit! Yes, he is. Whew, Killmonger yeah. is easily in the top three pantheon of Marvel screen villains. That that uh, kid's going places. Maybe he's got something to prove, though. <laughs> That's true. I don't know. I don't know that people have caught on to him yet. Maybe not quite yet. Um, yeah. Will Torres had this to say: All of them. Okay, fine. Best one is Upgrade. Worst one was Truth or Dare. I guess can't think of any other bad ones I've seen. Both Blumhouse, by the way, are they just doing all the movies that ain't Marvel? Yes, they are. I, I He's guess. One hundred percent right. Almost um, everything that comes out is Blumhouse. Um, I have not seen Truth or Dare, but I did see Upgrade. And I loved Upgrade. Upgrade is a really, yeah, it's a it's a really enjoyable little movie. Um, it it, it seems like it's just going to be a sci-fi actioner, and I think it gets a lot more intelligent than you would probably think it might be. Um, it's it's well worth your time. Next up is uh, Mike J. McAllister, who says best Isle of Dogs, worst Action Point. Man, Action Point getting a lot of a lot of word of mouth. Oh, um, yeah, we're seeing uh, seeing a little. Uh... Uh-oh, well, maybe not. We're seeing a pattern here with the next one, too. Maybe. Um, also, I've seen Isle of Dogs, and I did like Isle of Dogs, so I will say it's one of uh, my lesser Wes Andersons. I love myself some Wes Anderson. That, yeah, I do, too. Uh, I haven't seen that one yet, either, obviously. Again, most of these that we name, I haven't seen. I just haven't had time this year. Because, I, yeah, I like a lot of Wes Anderson. But So I'm definitely interested in seeing that one, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, um, I would still say the superior stop-motion film from him is Fantastic Mr. Fox, which is so oh, cuss. great. <laughs> you cussing at me? Yeah, so cuss. Next up, Kara Holden had this to say, um, best Infinity War, worst 1517 to Paris. Uh, once again, another repeater. I did enjoy Infinity War, I will say, though mm-hmm. um, I'm... Not quite as much on the hype train to say why would be going into spoilers, but it, right. it kind of plays into. I'm not as big of a comics person, but all the stuff I've heard of people saying event fatigue. Oh, hey, dude, I've been feeling it for a little while though with these comic book movies. It, it, it's it's getting to the getting to be tiresome, especially with the Marvel formula. I mean, oh, okay, <laughs> you know, I get it. And then DC just slapping the shit between the bricks. It's like okay. What Adam is saying is hashtag release the Snyder Cut. Yeah, yeah that's exactly <laughs> it. I need, I need another hour. Next up, uh, Scott Crawford of the podcast by the Cemetery. Uh, shout out to them mm-hmm. over there. Says, uh, Hereditary is the best. And I haven't seen anything that would be considered the worst this year. That's interesting. That's interesting. But you know what, man? I got to be honest. Scott, you know, he's a good guy. I've met him in person. He might, I might uh, go meet up with him again here soon. Uh, Scott likes everything, so (laughs) he's got a soft spot for, I think, every movie. He's just that good of a dude. I don't know, man. Come on, Scott. Come on. We should should show him Hurricane Heist. (laughs) Yeah, watch Hurricane Heist. (laughs) Get back to us on that, Scott. Uh, But yeah, Hereditary. That is my favorite of the year so far. I loved the fuck out of Hereditary. <laughs> and to say why we get into spoilers as well, but that's a movie that also I think has suffered a bit from people kind of say, like the, the hype sort of coming up and crying up and people and saying, well, it's not that scary. Uh-huh. To a certain oh, extent yeah, I definitely. see that, but also um, what works about it is just like the first half is such an intense, fucked up, brutal family drama that just makes the horror all the more horrific as things go along. Uh, but great movie. I'm 
my favorite as of yet still for this year. And then uh, Stephen D, who is at Waiting FTH, had this to say, Gah, this just reminded me that I've only been able to watch two new movies in the last six months. Thanks a lot, guys. Uh, one of them was Black Panther, though, so it's not all bad news. Hey, guess what, buddy? One of the one of the only two or three I've seen this year is Black Panther, so I'm right there with you. What what are some of the other ones you have seen from this year, Adam? I'm at, I'm curious. Uh, Hurricane Heist and Veronica. <laughs> <laughs> I literally think that's it. <laughs> well, that's a great top yeah. three. Right there. Yeah, exactly. Oh um, shit! <laughs> just some other some other ones I do want to give shout outs to. Of, of mm-hmm. Personally, ones I've loved from this year. Uh, among some of the ones we already mentioned, Thoroughbreds, the the film starring uh, Olivia Cook and um, Andy Taylor Joy. I've seen great. that. I did see that. Yes, I did. I forgot and about that one. God, did that's you? A great movie. Oh, um, and last Anton Yelchin movie. Yeah, he's I so, know what a bummer. And so... it's like. He's, he's so fucking good in it. Oh my god, there's this, there's a scene, I won't spoil too much of the context, where the three of them are in a car, and Anton Yelchin gives my favorite reaction shot of this entire yes. year for me. Yep. Um, also, uh, you would never really hear the Walking Phoenix movie. Um, basically, imagine Taxi Driver, but even more brutally depressing, and also only 90 minutes long. Oh, I gotta see that one. Yeah. Yes. That's where he's uh, like, like almost a private detective, right, kind of deal? Well, it's it's more that he's um, an enforcer that kind of gets paid on the side. Um, it's, and it's, he uses hammers, doesn't he? Like, yeah, he's got he, a thing for hammers? Yes, he has a, he has a thing for hammers. And it's directed by the woman who directed uh, We Need to Talk About Kevin. So, that's more good. in that that's kind of vein. Man. Great movie, yeah. Right. Uh, the Paul Schrader film First Reformed, starring Ethan Hawke. Um, really loved that movie. Um, it's also super depressing, but it's such a really fascinating character study. Also kind of a Taxi Driver vibe, because Paul Schrader. Um... And just a few others I like. You uh, won't you be my neighbor? The Mister Rogers documentary. You will oh, cry. I'm dying to see that one. Oh, it's, I gotta see that one. It's wonderful. Um, Annihilation. Really enjoyed as well. Um, and a quiet place. See that one too. I, if you, especially for horror films, both of those. Yeah, like, I want to see like I want to see anything that you've named that I haven't seen. So all of it, pretty much. I want to. See, I've been wanting to see. <laughs> Uh, yes. I wa the, the only other thing I watched this year that I know came out this year, we watched that um True Crime thirteen episode series, The Staircase. I watched those with the wife. That was really good. Um mind blowingly crazy, like what happens in the justice system. Uh, you know. And then we started watching the other one, Evil Genius, and so far that's pretty intense. Um, also, just mm-hmm. a few things. Um we posted about dinosaurs for our last episode, and we had a few runoff uh, comments I wanted to read here for best and worst dinosaur movies. Uh, Mallory Somerville uh, brings up this one that doesn't specify good or bad, though I hope it's in one category, Mallory. Um, she says, uh, we're back a dinosaur story. Y'all might be a little old for this one, but it's from Steven Spielberg's Amblin Studios and written by John Patrick Shanley, which I didn't know that until she mentioned it. And for those of you who don't know, John Patrick Shanley is a playwright best known for stuff like Moonstruck, which he won an Oscar for, and the movie Doubt. Which he also directed. So, oh my god, I didn't know that either. What the fuck? (laughs) Early '90s writing gig, I guess. Uh, But yeah, that's a movie Uh, that even as a child, I remember just not quite knowing what it was, and I rewatched it several times more just out of like trying to figure out what was going Mm. on. Yeah, that one, that one never stuck with me. I think I've seen it twice, and that was like one time too many. Um, And then Scott Crawford. Has this to say, uh, the best dinosaur movie is the original Jurassic Park. The worst is Carnosaur 3, Primal Species. I've not seen that oh. particular Carnosaur. No, you know, because Scott Crawford's the only motherfucker that has seen it. <laughs> Nobody has seen that movie. So you can't find a bad movie out of all the movies that come out this year, but you can pull Carnosaur 3, Primal Species, out of your ass? <laughs> come on, Scott. Get it together. There's a wider breadth, though, for a bad dinosaur movie. He's had several decades versus six months. Uh. I guess. Um, oh, well, yeah, you go ahead and defend him. I quit. <laughs> That's the kind of respect we have for all of our listeners out there. Thank you for providing <laughs> such great feedback. Adam and I truly appreciate it. And, oh, absolutely. Uh, speaking of thanking people, we want to thank also Chris Oliver, who does the music for our show. Uh, listen to his music at chrisoliver.bandcamp.com. 
And uh, also shout out to Emily Scarter for the art that she's provided for our podcast. She accepts commissions at Fiverr with two R's dot com slash E.E. Scarter. And you can, of course, also follow us on the previously mentioned Facebook and Twitter page. But you can also follow our own individual accounts at Not The Who's Tommy and Malekith Fan 6969. Never, ever will get old. Dude, I got to fucking change it. <laughs> no, don't. It's not like I have a huge following on there. It's key. <laughs> it's key yeah. to our entire franchise. Yeah, we're gonna lose everything. <laughs> it's the linchpin. Um, and yep. also, we should mention we are on YouTube. We haven't mentioned that at all. Um, that we do have a YouTube page, and we do post these episodes on there. If you ever feel like not downloading them via the iTunes app, you can uh, just do double H double bill on YouTube. Subscribe. Click like. Followers, click that bell to make sure you get updates, whatever the fuck YouTube people say. Um, yeah, I don't I have no idea. <laughs> no, I don't know. Uh, the kids and their YouTubes. Um, but, yeah. if you, but definitely, if you don't listen there, definitely subscribe to us on iTunes. And guys, with that first iTunes review, we hope to see more, um, because the more that people rate and review us, the more that the sort of iTunes algorithm says, hey, these guys apparently are getting some attention we can, you know, sort of boost up in more featured Promote sections. Them a little bit, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It helps us a lot. I'd like if... to I'd like to double the reviews every week. So At we least. just need one other review next week. No, <laughs> we need two people next week. We got one this week, get two next week, then well, four the next week. Yes, let's we Come should on. do that. And and we've discussed maybe some ways in which we might be able to benefit you for that. But that's this is for a different discussion for a different time. And on that note, Adam, uh it's time to say goodnight. Adios. Good night.